What is up, podcast listeners? Welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I am your host, Rafael Majeshevsky, and today we have a very special guest all the way from the other side of the pond in the UK with a super sexy accent, Scott Bapti. He recently just released a book on 101 ways to lose weight. And I was like, I need, need to chat with this guy. And this conversation was awesome because our principles and methods are very, very similar. And the amount of traction he's been getting on his book just brings joy to my heart because he's another person that advocates good information in the health and fitness industry. So here it is. Enjoy. Strap yourself in and let's learn together. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your lovely host, Rafael Matuszewski, and joining me for the first time today is Scott Bapti. Say hello. Hey, thanks for having me. No problem. So I always like to start the show with some easy, easy lobbing questions to get the juices flowing. So the first easy question, what do you got planned for the weekend? Weekend? Well, we have a baby coming in July, so we're on a, a frantic rush. And we just moved into our, well, just, we moved into our house in August, but it's a big farmhouse that needs a lot of painting done to it and now we have this uh this deadline of baby arriving we're frantically trying to finish the painting so uh we've almost been painting every day for the last three weeks and we're on the home stretch of the last couple of rooms to do so (laughs) that will be my weekend yeah painting (laughs) nice so obviously you have an accent so you're obviously outside of the U.S. and Canada. So where are you from? Where were you born? And what's the thing to do where you're from? So born in Aberdeen in Scotland, in the U.K., in Europe, on this side of the pond. (laughs) Uh, And, uh, yeah, we stay not too far away from there now. And, um, yeah, what's fun stuff to do? Well, we stay out in the country. We're quite near the hills, so we do a lot of... uh, a lot of walking and there's even some snow around at the moment so some hills are open you can go for a ski nothing like what you guys have but little little hills a little bit of skiing yeah. um but yeah the whole whole outdoors thing is 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 big here we have a couple of horses we go out in the horses quite a lot and yeah just love being outside as much as i can um so another good question what's your favorite like traditional scottish meal Ooh, yeah. well, rather than a meal, we've got these things called, it's quite confusing because there are three words for the same thing. So in Aberdeen, we call them butteries, rowies, or rolls. And it's like, it's a pastry, but it's like a flattened croissant, um, but with more lard in it and it's salty and, oh, they're delicious. And you have them for a treat for for a breakfast or a mid-morning little snack. And, yeah, so rather than a meal, I'd say that's my favorite Scottish, Scottish thing, a couple of butteries at the weekend. Amazing. So it's interesting, though, because we're also going to talk about nutrition, but it's like if you're outside of the U.S. and Canada and you're coming from, like, Europe or Asia, you have all these traditional foods that are probably not the best for you. And it's like, it's interesting, like in Canada, we're pretty multicultural. So it's like, if you're, you know, talking to someone from India and you're like trying to help them to lose weight, 
and they're like telling you, you know, where their food comes from and what it's like consisted of. It's like really, it's like one of the barriers with someone from, you know, outside of Canada, U.S. coming here and you're trying to like educate them on healthy choices. So I'm kind of like really excited about this episode to get your take on that. I'll tell you, um, speaking of, of local delicacies, I know we spoke offline about me visiting Canada back in July. And I think my two favorite Canadian cuisines or dishes would have to be Smokies. Um, <laughs> put them on the fire. We had them quite a lot. They were delicious. And uh, yeah, uh, wine, your wine from like Okanagan oh, Valley was, yeah. was amazing. Yeah, it's some really tasty Rieslings and oh, it was good. <laughs> Yeah, you know, what's funny is, like, um, I'm a big fan of, like, Gary Vaynerchuk, and I was remember, like, listening to one of his keynotes, and somebody asked him, because he's, like, he's a wine guy, and they asked him, like, what's the number one underrated wine? And he said anything from the Okanagan. He's, like, I don't know yeah. why they don't get more exposure, but it's, like, one of the best wines in the world, and I'm, like, fuck yeah, here we go, Canada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go Canada, yeah. Yeah. Um, so last easy question. What is the current book you're reading or listening to? Um, I am reading a book called The Truth About Fat by a guy called Anthony Warner, a.k.a. The Angry Chef. Um, and he was actually on my podcast. And I read, I sort of flipped through the book enough to be able to ask him about it. But now I'm sort of going through it properly. And it's looking all at various arguments for why there is such uh, high levels of obesity. So it looks at, is it genetics? Is it food environment? Is it willpower? And all these different things and, and looks at the science and breaks them down. And it, it's really good. I'm enjoying it. Awesome. Um, so before we get any further, let's do a little intro on you of who you are, what you do, and how did you get into this industry in the first place? Okay, so I describe myself as a nutritionist, weight loss coach, and author. And I started out by, I didn't go to uni to study this initially. I worked in project management. We were like, woohoo, <laughs> exciting. <laughs> um, and when I was doing that, I set up a website called Food for Fitness, which started off as a blog. And it was just somewhere where I posted workouts and recipes and things I was doing in the gym because fitness was, was something I, I got really into and I wanted to share what I was doing. And then that led to people saying, oh, hey, Scott, can you write me a meal plan? And no, oh, can you write me a training program? And I just did that, you know, for friends. And then their friends offered me some money to do it. And then their friends, friends. And then I thought, oh, this is this is turning a business. So I went back to university, studied sports nutrition, and now fast forward, it would be seven years now, there's a little team of us working away, we've worked with thousands of people, we've, I've done the fitness modeling thing, I've done two covers of men's fitness, I've written a book, which I think we're going to talk about, um, host a podcast over here in the UK, it's one of the top rated ones, and yeah, it's kind of the example of turning a hobby into a into a job but I, it's it's not a job it's a hobby that pays i absolutely love it and uh yeah that, that's what i do really so like what was that kind of the driving force for you to get into fitness and health because i find like a lot of people had like you know kind of like the spark or this like realization that they were meant to be in the fitness and health industry to help others so i'm kind of curious of like what kind of got you into that car seat of just going 100 percent into it well, at school, I was I played a lot of sport, but I wouldn't say I was into fitness. I played 
badminton and golf and volleyball and, and all this kind of stuff. But I wasn't, I didn't lift. Um, and I didn't have a clue about what I was eating. And it wasn't until I went to, to uni the first time and we stayed in, in catered halls. So you're just getting unlimited amount of all kinds of crap. Uh, and obviously if you've just left home and you're going out more and you're drinking way more because hangovers don't seem to affect you and like the amount of calories coming in, it's, it, it was a lot. And, uh, so I gained weight and some of friends, you know, tease me nothing enough that nothing serious, but just little teasing things about, about my weight. And I thought, right, I need to sort this out. So I started going to the gym and started lifting and because I'd always been quite competitive. I've always wanted, if I was doing something, I wanted to do it right. Um, no point doing it than half-arsed. So started reading more about it and both the training and the nutrition side of things and became fairly knowledgeable about it. And that's why, you know, like I said, I started that blog. So I wouldn't say there was a singular moment when I thought, right, this is it. But that's kind of the, the catalyst for this whole journey that I've been on. Nice. Um, so the next thing I kind of want to get into is kind of getting your take on nutrition because there's so many different approaches to it because I find like especially nutrition such an individual approach. So there's a lot of coaches out there that are all like, oh, I'm all about keto. I'm all about macros. I'm all about habits. So I'm kind of curious of like what you believe in and why did you kind of get to that approach? So my approach is to make it as easy as possible for someone to get from A to B. And I don't have a set approach. I like to meet someone where they're at and find out what's the easiest thing for them to do. Like what's the smallest change they can make that will give them the biggest impact. So for some people, it will be habits. Other people like tracking macros. Others like a meal plan. I mean, I don't just follow one approach. I'd like to give people options and see what resonates with them and what they'll think is the easiest thing that they can do. So the underlying principles are always evidence-based. So I'm very much into making recommendations based on what's actually been shown in human trials to be effective for weight loss. Um, and I don't yeah, I haven't pinned my my colors to one mass. So I'm not like, oh yeah, I'm the keto guy or yeah, I'm the IIFYM guy. I'm like, yeah, what, what what can we do? What, what have you done in the past? What have you struggled with? What do you like the sound of? What can we do to make it a lifestyle change as opposed to a diet? So I suppose I'm, I'm anti-fad diet. I'm anti-doing something for just 30 days and that's it. Because if you look at studies in sustainability and, and, and people that lose weight and keep it off, it's the people that have done things gradually and made small changes to both exercise and training and their mindset. It's not the people that have done a keto diet for 30 days and just done fasted cardio for like two hours a day. These people don't maintain their weight loss or very, very, very rarely. So yeah, my approach is I, I don't have a set approach. I try and find ways that just make it easy for people. And I honestly think that's kind of the best approach because it's like, you know, not everyone fits this like cookie cutter like approach essentially because everyone's a little bit different. Like Everyone has different life stressors. Everyone has a different life in general. So it's like try to mold their nutrition around their life. And like I like to think of it like slowly picking at, you know, a rock and eventually getting that thing down to a pebble if you're using whatever tool you have. But 
I, I just think it's just more realistic. But I think nowadays with how our world is, you know, designed, everything's so quick. So everyone kind of expects that, you know, oh, I'm going to lose weight. Yeah, I can do it in like three weeks. And I'm going to lose 15 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's it. That's the battle that we're we're fighting against is the misinformation and the bullshit that's been spread largely it would seem nowadays on instagram so you get these washed up zedless celebrities posting about just detox coffee or something and saying oh yeah i took this and lost eight pounds in eight minutes and people start getting thinking oh i'll do that i'll won't eat normally i'll just drink coffee that's going to make me shit myself and that's why you lose weight i mean it's just ridiculous so it's trying to fight that that fight and over here i don't know um if it's happening over there but there are grumbling or, or things seem to be happening in the news about tightening this up about what people can actually post when it comes to um quote-unquote influencers about weight loss and detoxing and all these kind of products so which is good um, but yeah, I think the whole rapid results is something that we do need to to fight against. And I always go by the the rates of weight loss of around one to two pounds a week or half a kilo to a kilo a week. Because again, if you look at the research, people who drop at that kind of rate tend to be the ones that keep it off. That's interesting that they want to like try to limit of what people can post, right? Because I don't think that's happening just yet over here. But I know, like, if I try to create, like, a Facebook ad, like, I know you can't have, like, a before and after photo, for example, to kind of, like, show that your product is better than everyone else's. But that would be kind of interesting if people start putting limitations on influencers because then that makes our job a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, um, I, I'm like, I'm curious. Do you tend to work with more general population people? Yeah, I okay. do. I used to do a mix. Um, I worked a lot with uh, professional football, professional soccer players, um, and worked in various clubs over here in the in the Premiership in Scotland, um, and also worked with a lot of um, endurance athletes, so triathletes, runners, cyclists, and so on. But now, as of the last three years or so, it's mainly just everyday joes and janes who maybe do a little bit of exercise um and just generally want to to lose weight so it's yeah everyday folks i'm working with now not so much the performance athletes okay i'm also kind of curious about like you know what's the difference between say the general population out in scotland and then the general pop in the u.s like are they similar is there a complete difference when it comes to eating habits like what have you noticed um, that's a tricky one, um, because again, I think that's an issue when we start grouping people into huge categories, like people in the UK of 60 million versus people in the US of 200, I don't know, what's the population in the US, 220, 200 and something. Sure. I'm just going to go with yeah, I don't US. Know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, habits seem to be the same in terms of food approaches um then we eat out um a lot less over here in the uk compared to in the states i don't know what's like in canada but i know in the states uh people eat out way more often especially during the week when again you've got less control over the food you're eating and the portions are, are much bigger over that side of the pond compared to here too um we don't do things like free refills with our sodas and it's 
and we, we drink a lot less um, fizzy juice. But I think habits are, are fairly similar and we're still exposed by the same or exposed to the same kind of trends in weight loss. Like keto is is, is big over here, just like is with you guys. Yeah. So um, those kind of things are very similar. But that's what you get when you have, you know, globalization, man. It start to <laughs> culture started to, to disappear and, and merge. So, yeah, I don't think there are that many differences, but yeah, it could be wrong. Like, I have this theory for Canada, like, the reason why we are not the same as the U.S. when it comes to, like, eating habits is that a lot of their fast food places haven't really came over to Canada yet. And the funny thing is, like, when, um, I can't remember the last one, but here's a good example, like, Jollibee, it's a Filipino fast food restaurant, and they came over to Seattle first to open up one location and people from Vancouver drove out for two and a half hours <laughs> to go line up to eat fast food for the Philippines. Like, because we don't get stuff like that in Canada. Like it takes a while for it to come in. Like when we, oh, what's that called? Jolly, Jolly beans. Yeah. Jolly B. Uh, um, Jolly B. Okay. Yeah. Got you. Oh, actually here's a good example. Chipotle. When it came to Canada, people were lining up for it because we never had it. So I think it's just like in Canada, we just haven't been exposed to every single fast food chain just yet. But I think down the road, it's going to switch a lot. But at the same time, like a health food store opens, everyone's going, right? So it's like, it's a balance of like, I'm going to go to the health food store, but also go to this fast food place. But um, let me... uh... I've got a story about Chipotle, and I've got to tell you now because we'll go yes. too far away from Chipotle, and I forget, <laughs> and it won't be relevant. So we went to, uh, I think Chipotle is over here now, but maybe just like one in London or something. It's it's They're not big. Anyway, we were in Arizona. Uh, we're in Phoenix, and we went to Chipotle for the first time. And my wife is terrible at making quick decisions, especially when it comes to food. So <laughs> I was in front of her. I raced through getting my burrito. I was like, oh, that, 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 and that done. And she's like, mm, what's this? And can I have that? And what's this like? And, can, and it just took ages. And there's this huge queue of people. And I was, you know, waiting to pay. And I said, oh, sorry, we've never been before. It's, uh, we don't have these in the UK. And the guy was like, never been? Okay, this meal's on us. And if you like it, just tell your friends and come back. And I thought, that is a marketing stroke of genius. Because the amount of people I've told about are two free burritos at Chipotle for the, yeah. And I've just told you and your listeners. That's so hilarious. It, it worked. It worked. Jeez. Um, where was I going to go with this? Um yeah, so we're talking about general population people. So I always like asking this question because everyone has a little bit of a different answer. And what do you think is like the main cause of why the general population fail at successful weight loss? Oh, well, I'm trying question. to decide. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm trying to learn more of the ways in, in this book that I mentioned that I'm reading. Um, why do they fail? So many things, I think we've already touched upon the unrealistic expectations with regards to um, timeframes. But I think the main thing is people have this idea of all or nothing. So it's like, right, no carbs. I'm going to the gym five times a week. I'm just going to do fasted cardio. And they make changes that are so different to the norm that it never lasts or they cannot wait for it to be over. So they just go back to what they call normal eating and normal life. Um, 
and weight it, it, weight loss never it, it's not long term because what they're doing is so extreme and so different to the norm it doesn't last I think also we have the problem of people focusing on the outcome and not the process, um, which is a chapter I talk in the, about in the book saying focus on the process and not the outcome. So the outcome is it's all to do with with the weight generally. And you're like, oh, yeah, he lost a pound. Oh, shit, I've gained a pound. And that kind of approach is very frustrating. But if you focus on the process when it's things like the behaviors you learn and the habits and routines that will eventually lead you to this outcome goal anyway so it could be focusing on the process might be things like uh committing to go to the gym or doing meal prep or making sure you've always got some kind of healthy snacks available or always keeping waters in the car so that if you get thirsty you don't need to buy a soda it's just little habits and that's yeah there's a lot of things but i think in summary it's unrealistic expectations making drastic changes that aren't sustainable and focusing too much on the outcome and not the actual process. And like over the years, like, you know, you can explain all this stuff to a client, but sometimes they just, it doesn't click with them. So I've been trying to use like analogies. And one that I use all the time is like, I'll ask a client, like, if I asked you to run a full marathon in three weeks, would you be able to do it? And they're like, hell no. I'm like, so why do you think you can lose all your 20 pounds in three weeks? And they're like, oh, yeah. Right, like when you put it in context like that, they're like, "Oh shit, yeah, that kind of makes sense." Because it's like to actually run a full marathon without injuring yourself and doing pretty good at it, like slow and steady. Like you put up your mileage every week and you follow a program and you just, you know, you plug away. Like you don't focus on that end goal. You're just focusing in the moment of like, okay, I have ten miles to run today. I'm gonna focus on that and that's it. But when it comes to like just weight loss in general, like people just, they just think it should come so easily. But if it's something that everybody wants, you would assume that it's pretty difficult to get. Yeah, I agree. Um, so let's kind of chat about your books. I'm really curious of like what sparked you to be like, I need to write a book. Because a lot of times, you know, people always say, oh, yeah, I want to write a book one day, but it doesn't really happen. And I'm in a process of writing my first ebook, and it's like, fuck it, it's taking way too long to edit. But I'm kind of curious of what made you start the process of writing your book. Um, I wanted to get something out there to the mass market and, and reach people who didn't just follow me. So if I had a book, hopefully bookshops would sell it and people who had never heard of me would pick it up and, and hopefully learn a few things, uh, which has happened. So I, I've got, my book was, was published. I didn't go down the self-published route for that reason. And I also wrote it because if you look at the competition, largely here in the UK, it's books that are, are some of the problems that we just mentioned. They'll focus predominantly on exclusion they will blame certain foods they will talk about superfoods they will promote detoxing fads um they'll be just all about going keto and again it's the idea of nothing is just focusing on the actual basics of telling people how to lose weight and giving them a load of tools to do it so the book at the front of it, it explains in de- well, not in detail, but it explains it, what you need to know behind how weight loss happens. It explains what a calorie deficit is and why it is key. If you want to lose weight, you must be in a calorie deficit. So if you've ever lost 
weight in the past, it's been because of it. If you've not lost weight, you're not in a calorie deficit. So once you get that understanding, it then also helps you to decipher a lot of the messages out there with regards to health and fitness. Like, is this actually fat burning? Well, does it increase my calories? No. Therefore, how calorie expenditure? Therefore, how can it be fat burning? Oh, yeah, okay, I see the point. So it puts that front and center, and then it gives a load of habits that will either increase your calories you're burning or help you to decrease the calories you're taking on board. And again, I've not seen anything like this. The format of the book, I got the inspiration from Robin Sharma, the motivational mindset guy. He's got several books, two called The Greatness, well, one's The Greatness Guide and the next like The Greatness Guide 2 or whatever. And I really like those books because it was a hundred chapters, I think, I think it was a hundred, um, short chapters and you could just dip in and out of it. You didn't have to read it cover to cover. Um, you could just have, read a few, you could pick it up and put it down, whatever. And I thought, God, this is actually a pretty cool format. So I'm going to do this for a weight loss book. And, um, yeah, I did. And I, the, the hardest part wasn't really the writing of the book. It was coming up with the hundred, well, not coming up with, but researching, um, the topics to write about things that I'd actually shown to work and, and putting all 101 into, into chapter layouts and the list evolved as I went through. Sometimes things were too similar and I thought, no, that needs to be cut or, and if that's not really going to make that much of a difference. So we'll cut that one out. And then I'd read something new, a new study came out and thought, oh, that's exciting. So yeah, that's, that's how the book book happened. <laughs> And I, I like the like idea of putting 101 ways to lose weight because it's like for the general population, when they see something like that, I, I just find the general pop that are not like educated on nutrition. They think it has to be really, really difficult in order to be successful. So it's like when they see like 101 ways, oh, my God, I need to get this because it's going to be really difficult for me to lose weight. So I need 101 ways. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's it. There's lots of choices there, but yeah. what's really good if you on the the feedback, so it's had loads of good reviews on Amazon, and people are like, "Oh my god, this just makes sense," or it's a good reminder. And a lot of people are saying, um, "It's just confirming they're doing the right thing," or it's broken down. And it's quite funny that there's been, I think, one percent uh, one star reviews, and it's people said, "You know all this already," and you're <laughs> like, "If you know all this already." Why are you buying a weight loss book? Like, what what are you hoping to find out? You clearly don't know it all already. Otherwise, you wouldn't be expecting something that you don't know, um, which is quite interesting. It's it, it, I'd love to discuss further with these people, but you can't because it's just an Amazon review. But um, yeah, that's it. It's it's the whole idea of if you read one of, one of the chapters, for example, is about tracking macros. And if you read that and think, this is terrible, I don't want to track macros, don't do it. You just pick the next one. You think, what's this chapter? Oh, 28-day press-up challenge. Okay, that sounds realistic. Yeah, I'll go and do that. That's like we mentioned earlier. It's about doing things that are relevant to you and, and that you think will give you the greatest benefit. And also, I talk about CrossFit as well. If you read it and think, CrossFit sounds terrible, don't do it. Do, do, do the next chapter, which talks about walking more often, which is way lower impact and, and accessible and cheaper and, and easier to do. Yeah, like, I'm happy that it's doing so well because it's like, if you go to a bookstore and you go to that health and fitness section and you just, like, just read the titles of how much crap there is and then it's like, for every 10 crappy books, there's maybe one good one. So I'm, like, super pumped that it's going so well so far. 
Yeah, I acknowledge though. I don't know if you read the very back page in the book, but under the acknowledgments, I thank the charlatans and gurus for writing their bullshit books. Because if it wasn't for them, <laughs> I wouldn't awesome. have had the opportunity to write this. Amazing. Um, what what would be like some like gold key key like takeaways? Because I find like there's always like those golden nuggets in certain books. So if you could like pick like three that you wish that everyone would take away from your book, what would they be and why? Well, the one that uh, one of the main ones I always talk about, and we've already covered this, is this focusing on the process and not the outcome, which is one of the chapters. So I'm not going to repeat myself on that one, but that would be one: focus on the process and not the outcome. The other one is is right at the beginning. It's also front and center, and it's the idea of ditching the diet mentality. So it's making sure that what you're about to do is not just short term, and it's not focused on restriction, and you're not going to just cut something out for seven days, thirty days, ninety days, or whatever. It's making the commitment to what you're going to do is focused on the long term and you're going to make small changes rather than anything dramatic. Um, the other key take home would probably be the other chapter focused on um, thinking about inclusion as opposed to exclusion. So the only um, thing that you should exclude is unnecessary exclusion, meaning don't just say I'm going to stop eating bread unless you don't like bread. It makes you feel ill you can't afford it or you can't buy it where you live. Same goes for dairy. Like the only reason you'd cut out dairy is because if you, for ethical reasons, or if you can't afford it, you you can't get it or it makes you feel ill or you don't like it. And focus more on the things that you can actually eat. Because when people think about weight loss, it's the idea of restriction is usually front and center. It's like, oh, I can't eat this, I can't eat this, I can't eat that. And it's very negative. And they start using words like cheat meals and, and silly phrases like this. Whereas if you focus on inclusion and think about all the stuff you can actually eat and all the positive things you're going to be including in your diet, it's just becomes a way more positive experience. And I'm happy you brought up the whole like cheat meal thing because I find that when people fall into those lines, things like, emotional eating and binge eating start to happen and I'm kind of curious what your take on those two things because I've been finding a lot more people have been more open about it and saying that yeah I've been dealing with binge eating for x amount of years and they're kind of just stuck in that rut so I'm kind of curious your take on that so if someone does have any form of of disordered eating um like anorexia bulimia binge eating orthorexia, which is the unhealthy obsession with healthy eating, they need to go and speak to a professional. They don't need to go and buy an ebook written by some Instagrammer who has a binge eating problem. Um, they don't want to read a blog by someone who, who got over anorexia. They want to go and speak to a counselor who is actually certified in this and has a track record of helping people like them. That is, again, it's the idea of making sure somebody stays in their lane. By that, I mean when you get personal trainers who think they're physical therapists or dietitians, it's it's not what they do. It, it's not your area of expertise. Just refer. Like if somebody comes to me and says, oh, what's a good exercise to do to fix my 
um, I'm on a, I blew my knee. I'm, I'm on rehab. What's a good exercise to to work around a, a, a weakened ACL? I'm like, I have no idea. This is not my area of expertise. But this guy as a physio, go and speak to him. So I think I know I've kind of had a bit of a rant on this, but if you do have of diagnosed uh, eating disorders, you need to, or you don't need to, but the recommendation would be to speak to a, a certified counselor on this. Yeah, it's interesting, like in our profession, like because we're in the health and fitness industry, your clients will always like just assume you know everything. And like, you know, I'm pretty good at rehabbing people because I work with a chiropractor directly with her patients. And like, I'll still get clients who are like, oh yeah, so my shoulder feels like this. What do you think it is? And I'm like, I could guess, but you're better off seeing the Cairo first because it's like, like I'm just shooting in the dark, right? Like I rather you have like a clear answer than like a half-assed approach. Yeah. But there's nothing to say like PTs can't do rehab. If that, yeah. like you said, if you, you, you're focused on it and it's really good, it's just I probably wouldn't go to someone who um, focuses on bodybuilding show prep for uh, exercise, for, for rehab from a sports injury. Just like I wouldn't go and speak to somebody who specializes in fixing people's knees to ask them how to get you know, step on stage and have shredded glutes. I've got like lines on my ass. I'm that lean. Yeah. It's again, finding somebody who's, who's relevant or can fix the problem, which you have at the, at the time. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, another question I had, and I like asking this to people who have like large followings and, you know, especially in the nutrition realm, what's your, what are some of like the questions you get a lot where it's like kind of just repeated over and over again? And what are some of the questions you wish people asked you? Okay, so the ones I get all the time, should I take BCAs? Answer, no. <laughs> if you consume enough protein, you don't need BCAs. Uh, which is better for fat loss, lifting weights, or cardio? Uh, again, I, I redirect them to... It's so good, though, because I, when I get these questions, I go and write a blog or find someone to write a blog on the subject. It's like, yeah, should I do weights or cardio? Um, should I exercise fasted? What should I eat before a workout? Uh, it's strange that I get questions of like, I've, so I've written four recipe books and people say, what should I have with this meal? I'm like, well, what do you want to have with it? What kind of veg do you like? What kind of carbs do you like? Things that I wish people asked me more often. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a total shill and be like, where can I get your book, Scott? Um, but I, I don't know actually. I don't know why I wish people asked me more often. Um, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a, really hard one i don't have an answer for you no it's fair would you wish people asked you more often um i haven't even thought about this but i uh, see, see? I, it, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things but if i had to choose it would be maybe like you know that they read something about fitness health whatever and they wanted my opinion about it because then like i like taking a question where I have to think about it and then kind of place myself in this situation, what would I do? And then it also gives me an opportunity to also tell the person that if it's a topic that I'm not really good at, I could be like, you know, this is just my opinion. I haven't researched enough, but then it gives me like a homework assignment now. Cause I'm like, Oh, I, now I want to know more about it. But, yeah. um, I just like those questions that are like more open-ended makes you think, makes you want to, go home on your laptop and like start googling like whatever to figure out a better answer for the person but yeah that's what i would have to say yeah. i think 
um, on reflection, I like answering questions that give someone um, a very quick win that will either save them money or time. So I suppose when somebody says, oh, I've been looking at different BCAs, what kind should I get? And then I tell them that they don't need BCAs. They go, oh, that's actually saved me a few pounds um, or a few dollars or whatever currency, a few rupees, doesn't matter. Um, and yeah, I don't need to piss around in the morning measuring out five grams of BCAs. So you've just saved them time and money. So yeah, yeah those kind of questions that result in those outcomes, I enjoy. Fair enough. Um, so maybe second last question. What is something that's exciting you about the fitness and health industry right now? Um, people are becoming more critical of bullshit that they see um, and are questioning it way more and calling people out and questioning anything that they post, like this whole dead list celebrities, like oh, I took this and lost weight. Like, no, you didn't. You just breathed in and filtered your photos. So I think people are becoming more critical of that, um, which then allows the evidence-based practice to just permeate more, um, which is great. And it just means that for the, 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 the end user, the outcome for people is they are less exposed to nonsense and they're able to get better results and have more fun and it's healthier. And yeah, I think that's it. People are, are starting to be questioning or questioning these silly claims that they see. Perfect. Um, so maybe for the last question, if people wanted to learn more about you, where they can find you online, what projects you have coming out, where they can buy your book and anything else you want to plug on my show, that'd be awesome. Well, like you, I'm fortunate that I've got a slightly unconventional name. So not first name, there's, you know, millions of Scots. But when people put search Scott Bapti in Google, I'm usually the only one that comes up. So if you just Google me, you can then choose to follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or wherever. So, yeah, search for me on Google. Um, I, If you're listening to this, you're obviously into podcasts. So high five you. They're an amazing resource. Um, I host one called the Food for Fitness Podcast. But again, if you just search Scott Bapte Podcast, you'll find it. Um, and you can have a listen to that. And the book, if it is floating your boat, if you want more about it, um, you can get it on Amazon CA or Amazon.com, uh, basically on your side of the pond. So just go on to weightlossbook.co.uk. And then I've got this cool little redirection thing that will take you on to the right Amazon store for wherever you are. So, yeah, weightlossbook.co.uk and you can get the book or Google me, Scott Bapte, B-A-P-T-I-E, and you can choose where you'd like to, to follow me, if at all. You might think it's terrible. You might be like, I don't understand this guy. <laughs> so uh, yeah, <laughs> that's it. If you don't understand me, you wouldn't have heard anything. So there we go. Awesome. So thank you so much for your time. This was amazing pleasure thank you for having me on okay okay that is going to wrap up episode 211 with scott bapti hopefully you enjoyed that one as much as i did and again share 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 this podcast with your friends and family like come on let's spread the word of this amazing podcast so everyone can get a little taste of it and again my book is almost done i am super psyched I spent all weekend essentially trying to put this thing together. I'm waiting for the logo. I'm going to drop the logo this week to show a little preview what it's all about. So keep your eyes and ears open. And I'm going to continue giving the best 
fitness and health advice out there. That's it for me.